I forget sometimes I have to click twice on with this ocean audio to get there. So it's like, yeah, you're fine. We got it. It's like, are you sure you want to record? Yes. Really? It it throws that at you. Oh yeah. Yeah, like you you click it once and then it's like, dude, which hertz do you want to record at? It asks every time what frequency you want to record. Well, on. tell it you want it to record and you don't want to hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> Zero hertz. Zero hertz is the answer. No more hertz. <laughs> Can't handle it anymore. Just gives you electric shocks. I don't like the owies. <laughs> you know, I, I know you never intended, but you give me so many sound bites that I can somehow <laughs> use later. Welcome to another episode of Brad Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Leibach. Joining me for this episode is someone who is as cast as the 14th monster, but was sadly cut from the film, Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? Uh, next up, he's happy to see Casey Jones not attempt to murder any children this time, Josh Zorch. I, I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure that I necessarily said I was against that. <laughs> uh, next up, the only shredder he needs in the movie is Mikey Skateboarding, Mike Bradley. Okay, you 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 tied it to Michelangelo. I'm fine with that. There you go. It had to. I mean, you can't not. It took me and a to figure out finally, what the joke was. Yeah. <laughs> He's the hero with a half chub, Ian Leidick. <laughs> Sip Nation, as we near the end of my tenure on The Super Friends Show, I know you'll be hurting, so be sure to check me out at blarthole.io. Wait, the end of your tenure? Like, what? what's going Are you Ghost waiting the for shell. all the turtles? Ghost in the Shell. We've been over this, like, okay, how many times? all right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna all try to keep times. you coming back for at least the turtles. You gotta at least finish <laughs> the turtles with. You got two left. No, two left. No, you're Speed over over there, man. Over the midpoint. Well, we, about worth it. There's <laughs> two Ghost in the Shell movies left, right? Yup. So we have so just as much episodes. of an equal chance of finishing turtles before finishing that. So we're praying. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're praying for different things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, so I think we've we've given Ian a long enough break between Rewind Theater episodes, so we're going to cover the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, and it has been another probably two months or so between Rewind Theater. So since it's been so long, you may be asking yourself, what's a Rewind Theater episode? So if you've forgotten, or if this is your first time, uh, it's basically an excuse for us to go back, revisit some old comic book movies that we either haven't seen or haven't seen for quite some time. Uh, our format for these has been to start with some sort of comic book history for the movie we're on, since they're all based on comic books or graphic novels. After that, we'll talk about some of the people involved with transitioning that property into a movie. We'll go over budgets, box office gross ratings, whether it's a first-time watch or a rewatch. And before we get into the discussion, we'll throw out the spoiler alert, and then we'll get to a 60-second summary, which one of us has volunteered to do ahead of time. Uh, we've revamped topics a little bit. Um... We've kind of been using them for more recent movie reviews and stuff, too. So you might have heard those on those episodes also. But we used to do five topics. We're bringing it down to three. So our three topics are direction and story, characters and actors, and then anything else we missed, we throw that in the third category. Uh, To try to keep us on track, I will try to start a timer to try to keep us moving along. 
so instead of when we had five categories, we were doing 10 minutes per category. We're doing three categories, so we're going to bump it up to 20 minutes per. Uh, and then once we get through all those, we'll end the discussion with a rating and see if everyone thinks the movie holds up or not. Uh, after our talk of the movie, we have to decide what we're watching next. So take the pressure off of us. We leave it up to the Wheel of Fate. The Wheel of Fate! To pick what movie we're watching next. So if you've listened to the past episodes, you'll know that we stick to three franchises and three standalone movies on the wheel at a time. Uh, we reserve the right to change that anytime we feel like we the format's not working and we want to change something up. Either way, at the end of the episode, we'll spin the wheel, see what we're watching next. Uh, at the end of our Ghost in the Shell episode, which was the last Rewind Theater we did two months ago, the wheel selected yet another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, much to Ian's excitement. So we're up to TMNT, which is the animated Ninja Turtles movie from 2007. And you said before that that you found a place where it has an alternate title? I could have sworn I saw that on IMDb, and then when I went to look for IMDb, the movie again, it was listed as TMNT, so I don't know. Um, I've, I've found it both ways, apparently. It's listed as either TMNT, or it might be listed as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 colon Immortal is the other way I found it. So if you're looking to watch and you haven't found it, you can check those two ways. It should be there. Um, right about now is usually when we do the comic book background stuff, but I actually think we we had to try to refresh our memories. We think we covered it in one of the previous Turtles episodes. I think it was for Turtles 3. We finally went through the background. Um, so if you would like to hear the comic book background, we're not going to rehash it. Just find that episode, go back, revisit, and uh, give it a listen. All that stuff should be in there. So... Um, does anybody know if the antagonists in this were from the comics or if this was an original story? That's Not a good question. The comics I read. I, I believe this was made up for the movie. Yeah. That is, that is my theory. I can't confirm that though. That's what I know. The like. comics got weird. It, Some... it felt like that to me too, but I did see that, uh, I can't remember what his first, first name is, but Laird was like, a person involved in making this movie so okay yeah i don't know no, the the a lot of the the other than the main turtles and like casey and foot clan and stuff like tur turtle staples stuff i didn't recognize anybody else from any like well, turtle stuff yeah the the girl that well we're not talking about spoilers yet so but the, the one character is a comic character with the foot clan oh karai yeah yeah that's a real character. Well, I guess they're all real, but that's a comic <laughs> character or cartoon character, whatever. She's shown up elsewhere. Right. Um, all right, so if we're not doing comic book background, we will jump into who uh, who translated this property into a movie. Uh, so the movie was directed by Kevin Munro, or Monroe. Uh, he's also listed as the sole writer for this movie, so he wrote and directed. Uh he also directed 2016's Ratchet and Clank movie, and a movie that I believe is buried on our bigger wheel is 2010's Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, with Brandon Routh. He also directed that movie. Uh, the voice cast, I think, for this movie is is pretty stacked. Uh, we have James Honor Taylor as Leonardo, L Nolan North as Raphael, Mikey Kelly as Michelangelo, Mitchell Whitford as Donatello, Mako as Splinter, Sarah Michelle Gellar as April, Chris Evans as Casey Jones, Patrick Stewart as Winters, Lawrence Fishburne narrates, uh, 
Zayai Zhang as Karai. Uh, and Josh, I'm curious if you caught this. The diner cook, did you catch the voice of the diner cook? I did not during it. I made a point not to look up anything ahead of time because I didn't okay. want to be distracted by having the people in my head. Yeah. Uh, so I looked it up afterward, and I did not realize that uh, that was Kevin Smith. Yep. Until afterward, Kevin Smith gets worth build. Yeah. Uh, and then the, scrolling through the cast list, there is a bunch of people listed as additional voices. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the people that actually have a character, like John DiMaggio, is cast as General Centino, who I think opens the movie. He is a well-known voice actor. Kevin Michael Richardson is another general. Uh, he's a general Aguila. He's one of the the stone guys for Winters. Another prolific voice actor. Um, other ones that get billed as additional voices: D. Bradley Baker, who voices the clones, Rex, all the all the guys from Bad Batch. Uh, Jim Cummings voices Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Don Carnage from Tailspin. Uh, Darkwing Duck and Hondo Okinawa uh, from. Clone Wars. Uh, Jennifer Hale is in there. She voices female Commander Shepard. Mass Effect Felicia Hardy in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. I mean, these are just snippets of what these people have done. Their their IMDb's are loaded. Oh, uh, I didn't even notice uh, Tara Strong. Yes, I was getting is to there her. Bill, yeah. Billy West? Wow. Yes, yeah. Phil Lamar is in there, too, who voiced Jon Stewart oh, in the shit, Justice yeah. League animated series. Uh, yeah, the other two. Yeah, Josh mentioned the other two I had. Phil, uh, Tara Strong and Billy West. Those are also... So this, like... If you just go through a who's who of voice acting, all of those people are in this movie in some capacity. Which freaking is crazy. Especially because um, the majority of these guys are all additional voices, which I don't know where they're in there, but they're in there somewhere. And I did, there must have been more characters in this movie than I actually understood there to be then. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's get to the some budgets in box office. So any guesses from you guys for the film's budget? For an animated Turtles movie in 2007. 25 million. All right, Ian's got 25. 37. 37. Mike? I was waiting for Josh. I feel Four, like Josh is still stewing. 42. Mike? 26 million. Andy was the closest. Damn it. 34 <sighs> million. I prices right win, though. <laughs> He did go, go over. over. He did go over. <laughs> I never win this portion of the, of the game. <laughs> I feel like Andy's the one that gets the closest most of the time. Yeah, he's good at this. No, I'm not. This bullshit. <laughs> we'll have to keep keeping start keeping score for that too. Yeah, Ian, you can do it. Ian, let's get a spreadsheet going on this. <laughs> I was hedged on whether to go above or below Ian on that one. <laughs> I thought about going lower. Um. All right. So worldwide box office. Uh. We'll start domestic. What do you think this movie think? Well, no, you know, we'll just go worldwide, and then I'll I'll break it down domestic, international. So worldwide total for this movie in two thousand seven. What do you think it made? Twelve million. <laughs> that is terrible. It, it made a third of this. <laughs> Andy, they didn't make a sequel. Andy, what do you got? Seventy two. Okay, Josh. Worldwide, one hundred eight. Mike. Was it ever re-released? To my knowledge, no. no but I didn't Why look would that they? up. Because turtles. I mean, I don't know. They they had a Nickelodeon series based off these same character models, so it might have. But that's called being cheap. <laughs> I was just asking a question. Um, what did Josh say? One hundred eight. One hundred eight. 
Sounds about right. 107. What, what did Andy say? <laughs> 72. 72. Mm. 85. Uh, 96 million was what it made worldwide. So it didn't make the 100 million mark, but it was so close. me and Josh are kind of equally far. Yeah, back. about there. You guys kind of split the difference. Uh, domestically, it made 54 million. International, it made 42 million. So that brings the total 96 million. Uh, and then I'll, I'll go through the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. We'll talk about that and we'll revisit later when we get to our own ratings. Uh, Rotten Tomato, it is listed as a critic rating of 34%. Audience rating at 60. Uh, Metacritic has a meta score of 41, a user score of 6.9. Uh, so as far as we'll, we'll just go around the horn again. Uh, Ian, we'll start with you. Is this a first time viewing or a rewatch for you? Never seen this. I was actually worried that I was watching the wrong turtle. <laughs> he wasn't born when this came out. If you, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. He did have to double check with me. He's like, this is animated, right? When I'm watching an animated movie the whole way. Yes. Yes. It is an animated movie. I thought this was made for TV. <laughs> um, Andy, first time viewing or a rewatch? I actually saw this in the theater when it released. I did as well. Uh, Josh, first time viewing or rewatch? First time. Mike, first time or rewatch? I saw this in the theater as well. Nice. Okay. So. All right. Uh, it's that time of the show where we're going to get into the discussion portion. Uh, since we'll be discussing everything in the movie, we're going to throw out the spoiler alert now. So if you have not seen TMNT from 2007, I don't want spoiled. Pause this now, come back after watching the movie. Uh, if you would like to listen along anyway, right after the spoiler alert is our 60-second summary, which will hopefully give you enough of a general plot of the movie that you can listen to our discussion. Either way, spoilers to follow. Spoilers in a half shell! Spoiler power! Alright, so now that we have the spoiler alert out of the way, we're going to roll into the 60-second summary. Uh, so again, the goal of this is to give you an idea of the plot of the movie. If you care to listen along, even if you haven't seen the movie... Uh, we've added the challenge of having to give you this summary in under 60 seconds. So if you miss any details, feel free to rewind. They will be there. Uh, Ian has volunteered to take this one, so we have 60 seconds on the clock. I will count you in. In three, two, one, go. Fuck it, here we go again. There's uh, four turtles. They're named after artists. Shredder's dead. There's an alternate dimension that grants immortality and releases monsters. Some real turtle hoof shit. We find out the immortality equation is, in fact, 13 monsters plus brotherhood equals live forever. There's a turtle hiding in the jungle because he sucks at being a leader. He's learning to lead by living in isolation. April sucks at tomb raiding. April nearly necks herself trying to find Leo but can't get him to come home. Raphael's super cool pretends to be Ghost Rider at night. There's a statue. There's a sexy foot clan lady working with some dude named Ethan Winters. I think it's Shredder's daughter. Um, the cool turtle quits and tries to beat up Leo. The cruel turtle gets his ass kicked and runs away crying. Uh, Winters is actually a good guy. They capture all the monsters to try and end the thing, but there's one monster left. But luckily, they it conveniently crashes and the movie ends. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. I think you covered about everything, yeah. <laughs> Basically shows you how convoluted and kind of pointless the story is, but yes. Uh, well done. Well done. Thanks. I had more, but I didn't think it mattered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I have to... I gotta throw this one line in. I skipped. The turtles fail to beat the monster and continue to infight like an Alabama orgy. <laughs> <laughs>
that's the one you left out? Because everyone's <laughs> reference for that is so already established. <laughs> yeah. No, I just started skipping over random lines because it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have our categories, direction, story, characters and actors, and then we'll we'll pick up whatever we don't pick up at the end. So we'll just go down. We'll start with direction and story. I'll pick it. And then uh, let's see. Uh, Josh, do you want to go first for direction and story? Sure. Um, I, I kind of was almost along the lines of, Ian's thought just before we started this section, which was not that I thought it was made for TV necessarily, but it kind of had the feeling of like a more robust television episode. Um, I think the arc that you got towards the end with the uh, Raphael Leonardo uh, conflict that like really got more intense than I would have expected them to put in a movie for like for kids and stuff. Um, was like maybe the one thing that I was like, oh, okay, this this would not be like this on a TV episode. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it was yeah, I don't know, it was okay. I, I I didn't have like really strong feelings one way or the other about it. Like I didn't think it was horrible. Um, it didn't change my worldview on turtles, modern okay. modern turtles properties or anything. Um, a couple of the notes I wrote down. Uh, the Lord of the Rings prologue was really cool because <laughs> it was pretty much exactly that. Yeah. Uh, what uh, I didn't expect that the you know they would inter- introduce like modern real world circumstances, including developing nations warlords. <laughs> uh, the movie got very real very early. Um. Yeah, I actually wrote down a Ghost Rider comment as well uh, <laughs> that I really like. I came up with just like, as many names for, was it Night Night Watcher? Night Watcher, yeah. Night Watcher. I came up with as many names based on initial impression, the first scene that he appears in as, as we're coming to mind. I got Mecha Ralph, the Ralph Monger, <laughs> Ghost Ralpher, <laughs> and Ralph Nin, which is supposed to be like Ronin. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah I follow you didn't do Ralph Nader 9000. A lot of what I got is like just disconnected thoughts and notes. So I'm just going to go down them. And I don't know if there's anything coherent. Like That's running the through plot. the theme of, <laughs> of, of my impressions. Um, I love that Splinter watches the Gilmore Girls and calls it my stories. <laughs> uh, okay, so this only happened once for the most part. And I was surprised by it and almost hoping it was happening more. The foot soldiers are very clearly not robots in this version. And there's like some of the monster capturing scenes early on where the monsters are literally like flinging these humans around and hitting them with brute force. And I'm pretty sure they're like murdering foot soldiers. A bunch of them like fell off that construction site at that first battle. I'm pretty sure. That too. I mean. They yeah. are monsters. They're not meant to be like some redeemable character in any way. These are no. bloodthirsty, crazy beasts that are no, just killing I was, things. I was more surprised that they would portray that occurring again in a, a animated film that really is supposed you know, the marketing and all that was geared toward a younger audience. I was just surprised that they went that route. Cause I mean, it's not like they showed the body squishing into pulp. No, but it was a sort of inescapable, like, oh yeah, they're, those those humans are murdered now. I mean, they I didn't find any bodies at that construction site. It's true. 
Well, we saw the news report. They're ninjas. <laughs> when they get flung off buildings, they just like spin, throw something at the building, and swing off of it. And they're good. Uh, they probably just use one of the smoke bombs. And yeah, they disappear in a poof of smoke. Cor- yeah. Corpse, yeah. corpse disappears. Uh, the Leo Ralph conflict that I mentioned um, had a real like Robin and Nightwing and Batman type feel to it. Okay. Uh, I, I actually that was maybe my favorite aspect of the movie was that part of the story that they went into. Um, all right, so. I did not like Casey Jones, and this is this is more like in the character section, I know, but this is gonna it, it's relevant for the comments. So, the the story choices that they made for him kind of spin from that my 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 feeling of those story choices spin from me not liking this incarnation of Casey. Um, that uh, I said towards the end, like third act, when April reveals her combat outfit. Just before they leave, I guess her apartment because he's like he is a vigilante. He doesn't have a job, so I guess that's her place. He works for her. He has yeah. a job. Yeah, he's her. She's, he's her shipping guy. Uh, she, she's her his sugar mama. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> I said so when when the first time that Casey or she yeah she shows the combat outfit, they might as well uh just have animated a raging boner onto Casey. <laughs> For, for all the reaction that he was he was showing. I mean, mine wasn't animated. <laughs> so it was flaccid? <laughs> it wasn't uh, animated. Animated. I, I could not buy for one second April as a master ninja, especially going toe-to-toe at all with the leader of the Foot Clan. That I, I just could not make that leap for a second. No, that made no sense. She's a TV reporter. What the fuck is that? No, she's not. She is a Tomb Raider yeah, and you said she's stealing a artifacts. Tomb Raider, because she fell in a you know a hole. <laughs> so I don't believe that she acquired those skills. Uh, what did I say? Uh, oh, maybe bring Leo an energy bar or a Red Bull after you break him out of that chamber before you immediately hand him swords and be like, "All right, go lead us and fight." <laughs> Dude needed a little bit of rest time or some kind of help. He's a teenager. And the, Thinking oh, about this in a guy is a guy in your late thirties. He's a teenager. He's fine. Uh oh, maybe I missed that somewhere. Oh yeah, I did have a note here. Uh, I I I liked the idea of uh post college uh starting to feel the crushing weight of the adult world, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> all, they, all of them have like real jobs and trying to make ends meet. Yeah, there there's no way that I'm seeing them as even 19 let alone fitting any definition of teenage whatsoever anymore in this <laughs> um so I, I i did like that uh and then the last note uh i think right there at the end uh casey has a moment where he's absolutely thinking if he'll be able to smash both april and kara whether separately or together i don't think he really <laughs> cared but he like you see in his eyes for a second like uh gonna hedge my cards i don't know maybe roll the dice what do i got what's my what's my play no 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 okay i'm with april <laughs> uh other than that honestly i i i could i could enjoy the story enough it was entertaining for a little bit it was utterly ridiculous and the the supernatural in my opinion does not fit the ninja turtles that well it's it sounds weird to say i know like the I'm drawing a weird distinction between maybe sci-fi and fantasy and supernatural. 
um, I think melding them with this kind of stuff, time travel and alternate dimension stuff. And I get it. Krang dimension X. I know all that, but this turtles three, right? <laughs> well, and time travel, especially too. Um, just something about it didn't fit their niche. Like they're to me, like they're not superheroes in the way that you can sometimes put superhero characters in those kinds of contexts. Um, but like I said, the story was entertaining enough. Some of the other more, I don't say mature or adult elements, but the, the, this was definitely a different approach to trying to write for the characters. And I think yeah. that different approach was refreshing enough just because it was different. It was something else uh, that the weirdness of the story, I could kind of look past and at least still finish the movie. Okay. Uh, Andy, what do you got for story and direction? Well, I, I feel like it was only half of a movie for a lot of the movie because they didn't give Donatella or Michelangelo literally anything to do at all <laughs> other than have crappy jobs for a little <laughs> snippet there. Um, And I thought that it was really anticlimactic with the 13th monster. Okay. Yeah, you're expecting some sort of something there, and you know he just you know slides on the tile, and there it is. All right, end of the movie. Cool. Um, so I didn't I didn't enjoy that aspect. Um, I always kind of wonder like what they cut for this movie because it's like a tight ninety minutes, mm-hmm. like with, yeah. with credits. Yeah, like yeah. there's got to be something in there that could have padded the story and maybe even given like Mike and Donnie something to do or expanded some of the fights or you know something. Right. See, I always took the movie too is like the, with the thirteenth monster is that little weird thing that Raph ends up fighting. I always thought that was the thirteenth monster. Yeah, so I was a little confused at, at that as well. At at the point when Raph fights that monster, were they only looking for the last monster? Yeah, it was like right before that, wasn't it? I think maybe they, they talk they, about like I, I was under the impression that. Raph, they were like, we only need one more monster, and then Raph goes to fight the little monster that's like banging on his helmet or whatever. Yeah, but I I couldn't remember if they said they needed only one more monster before or after that happened because I feel like when you see all the monsters in 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 the tubes, maybe that monster does appear in one of them, but I couldn't remember. The little one does, yes. At some oh, point, I, I oh, remember seeing it in a in a cage. Also, oh, okay, I also, must have missed it. Did anybody else catch that the final monster would never would have fit into one of those tubes? I feel like a lot of them wouldn't have fit into those tubes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that thing was as big as the fucking portal. Yeah, and those those tubes were what like in I don't know like a tenth of the portal. What well, wasn't the first one big like that too? Felt the that first way, right? the first one. I feel like they could have like smashed him in you know like just like sucking your gut and like throw it on him you know (laughs) (laughs) you don't need kneecaps when you're in a tube (laughs) yeah i mean they're not really worried about the health of these things inside there so but uh, i just have to get transported i I agree with josh's uh she she april is not a ninja in my opinion either um i i do like the uh foreboding of what did you guys say her name was kikora karai karai um, sort of giving him a little snippet foreboding, uh, foreshadowing of something to come as far as an enemy from their past. I thought that was kind of cool. 
that we never see. Yeah, that <laughs> the sequel that never happens. <laughs> anything ever happens there. Um, I feel like I'm, I, mean, I, I might be in the minority was, here. Okay, what's that? I said I might be in the minority here. At least it's seeming that way so far. I like the April thing. Like, I, I would think it makes logical sense if she hangs out with a bunch of ninjas all the time that eventually, either by herself or Splinter, would teach her some ninja stuff. Now, whether or not she's that good to, you know, I don't know how long she's been training. So, you know, taking on someone that's probably head of the Foot Clan is probably one thing. But for her to be able to ha like handle herself in a fight and know some ninja stuff. I'm totally for. I think that's a cool thing for the character to do. So we went from Ninja Turtles 2 where she whacks herself with a nunchuck pretending that she knows how to use them <laughs> to this one where she's a, a, an absolute grandmaster. And there, you know, it doesn't tell you what year it is, so you could really much like put in your own time frame. Has it been 5 years? Has it been 10 years? Has it been you know, you know, you could fill the gap with whatever you want. I chose to think that whatever it's been, five or ten years, that she's taken that time to quit her job and train to be a ninja. Okay. I could potentially buy that. The one other piece that bothered me is how young her and Casey were drawn to be. I, yeah, I, I write that off as just the art style. It, it was. Yeah, like were, I think that's a fault of the animation at the time. It, it possibly. And, and maybe, like I said, if they're looking like, like a kid audience, kids... Uh, the early 2000s and the mid 2000s like up to 2010 is when computer animated tv shows on a daily or weekly basis started to become possible and the norm and the way that they did character design especially for adults and they made adults look like big kids yeah they, the, the 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 way that they constructed faces and the shapes they used and all that it was a certain style of drawing and they did that here and i just didn't care for it i needed them to look like they were older than 20 yeah i guess i guess i i more or less i guess inferred what they were like josh what you were talking about like the they feel like they're adults now they have jobs and you know they're moving on with their lives post the teenage years i yeah. guess and the, the like, turtles didn't bother me all that much but like april and casey were always supposed to be grown-ups to begin with right and they looked just as young or if not younger than the turtles yes yes yeah i get that yes um andy do you have anything else um the story as far as the immortals went i thought was really rushed yeah and they spent um uh, i okay it it's going to sound weird to say because one of my favorite parts was also what Josh said, like the Leo versus Raph thing. But I felt like they spent too much time on the Leo versus Raph thing. Okay. And not enough time on like the actual like antagonist of, of the movie. Right. And that's where I'm wondering, like if they padded the story a little bit more, if we'd get more time with that kind of stuff. Um, Mike, what do you think of the direction story? Um, I think most things that I felt about it have already been said. Um, except, personally, uh, as far as the story goes with the Leo and Raph thing. Um, you know, having watched the series, having watched the other movies, having, you know, been a fan for a long time. It's pretty much the well that they go to for every single story they want to tell. Um... In that part, to me, when you have these characters, I get that it's an intriguing story, 
with, you know, the noble leader and the dumbass that fucks things up, but does so for his own reasons as a rogue. And I, I get that's an interesting story to tell, but they tell it in the same way every time. You know, like, it just, it doesn't, in this case, it didn't work for me because it felt way too similar to every other time. That Raph goes off and does his own thing and ignores Leo and ignores leadership and doesn't care. And then he realizes, oh, I fucked up. And then he comes back around to it. And it's just, it's like, I, I get that story of Rhett. Can we get something different? You know, um, it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's, it's been done. Do something new uh, was my thoughts on that. Okay. Um, other things for the story off the top of my head, I really don't have much, like I said, that we haven't already covered. Okay. So. Uh, Ian, what do you got? The story sucked. Um, <laughs> if you don't have time to show 13 <laughs> monsters getting captured, pick two. It's two <laughs> monsters. You didn't, it didn't have to be 13. Learn to fucking write. Um, the Leo Raph thing, they had time to like develop like, why are they angry at each other? We don't know because it all took place before the movie and they're just kind of upset that neither of them is that respected or some bullshit. They, they didn't do anything to actually make me care that those two characters are at odds with each other. Fucking do something. Show me something. Fuck you, writers. <laughs> um, the Ghost Rider stuff was cool. <laughs> um, Casey talks about, like, we see early on, like, he's not responsible at his current job. He's, like, bad at it. And then he talks about with Ralph, like, um, about how he's got to be better. You know, like, does he have to grow up to make, like, to deserve Casey to, like, kind of earn her love? No payoff in that story. Um, there's one joke about Girl Scouts in this, which I think was the only real attempt at a joke, <laughs> which is like, at least the other Turtle movies tried to be funny. This one didn't. Um, they don't really go into, like, this alternate dimension. We can only assume it links to 14th century Japan. <laughs> no payoff there, once again, with what's happening with it. Karai, the Foot Clan have nothing really to do. They didn't have to be in this film. Like, why not just send your generals out there to capture the monsters? They're big fucking monsters. It's not hard to find. The turtles run into one every fucking night they're out there. <laughs> um, Really, like, the end fight was so disappointing. It's, like, the most boring fight I think we've ever seen in a turtles film. When the turtles square off against the monsters. I mean, not the monsters, the four generals. It's lame as fuck. I don't know if anyone connected an attack. And then the movie ends because the biggest monster crashes into them. That That's the film. That's <laughs> that's just lazy. That's a lack of imagination. It, it's really, this movie's an insult to creativity. <laughs> Once again, we have another story that doesn't pay off. Winners. Okay, now he's human, but does he is he just gonna run Winner's Corp? Is he gonna do other stuff? Who knows? Who cares? That story never pays off. Is sh he disappears. Is Shredder alive? Win Winter yeah. disappears. Does he? Because I stopped paying attention. Apparently, <laughs> this movie sucks. He definitely yeah, disintegrates he, and turns he, into dust. He he Voldemort's away. I stopped paying attention. I assumed <laughs> the movie was over. Honestly, um, Shredder could have been back, and I thought you know just. They hint at it, but I guess uh, they clearly didn't make enough fucking money. And um, this, I thought, was upsetting because um, Splinter looked like a cat. He was certainly not a rat. <laughs> I didn't get why they changed what kind of animal Splinter is. That seemed weird to me. 
but you know that's that's on them so yeah this this movie had no direction it had no story it had no pacing i honestly am not sure who at any point had any oversight over this movie it seems like they let some guy like here's the general plot of the turtles and he's like oh well i got a shitty kids movie idea ever hear of 13 ghosts and that's the film we watch <laughs> They get, they they got Tony Shalhoub in the background somewhere there. <laughs> he might have been one of the voices. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I mean, he was in Thirteen Ghosts. I I know that. All right. Well, I guess I'm I'm the positive one this time. I don't know. I I still really like this movie a lot. I I understand Sucks that the story. Suck. Yeah, it, I get. It, yeah, I figured that was coming. I <laughs> I I get the story is weak. I understand that. Uh. But I, there's something I think that the story does with the turtles that I, I don't think maybe they do as well. I guess specifically Leo and Raph. Like, I, I, the hook for me is the Leo and Raph stuff. Is I, I think the combination on the roof between the two of them is the part that makes the movie for me. Like, a lot of the, like, we, you know, we keep talking about the story's weak and the, the whole Winter's thing with his generals is, is pointless and stupid. And I agree. I think that's... They're just there for something for the turtles to fight and follow. Like, it just kind of progresses the plot as much as it needs to. But as far as important stuff in the movie, the stuff that I take away isn't anything that I really care about. I focus more on the turtles and what they're doing. But like Andy said, Mikey and Donnie don't really have anything to do. But I, I, as much as I guess I notice it, I still kind of forget about that because I think I'm so invested in what's going on with Leo and Raph as I like that whole dynamic and their push and pull and, and their fight on the roof and all that stuff. I like all that. You're a big Leonardo guy though, right? I do like Leo a lot. See, yeah. see I'm a big Donatello guy and Mikey's probably my second favorite and like I, I was just like, God, do, do they get screen time in this? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Yeah. Like that, and I think there's a better, like in a typical Drake and Josh episode, has brother, better brother fighting than this movie did. I don't know what you're referencing, but sure, yes. <laughs> That's a kid's show from five years ago. Okay. That's Longer when Ian that. was a toddler. It, 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 was, it aired when this came out okay. on Nickelodeon. Fair. When he was a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> um, direction wise, I don't really know if I everything like it was fine. I don't know. I thought I thought yeah. some of the fight scenes were cool. I thought the fight at the construction site I thought was directed well enough. Like I liked no, following that, that action. Confusing and hard to follow. I was it, fine with it. I liked that it, one. It was tough. It was it, poorly placed. It, the fight scenes were tough because the turtles couldn't do any damage to the generals, so it it it, yeah. it made it made it for a, a very strange dynamic. Or but, anyone, they weren't I, allowed to hurt anyone. Well, it's just like the other movies direction, too. Direction-wise, the fight on the rooftop was awesome. This was something that they did with a lot of Turtles cartoons, games, series, stuff like that, where they wanted it to remain safe for kids, so they made the enemies made out of stone. How many enemies did they like have stone or brick or rocks that the enemies were made out of in the Turtles lore? And the reason for it was it was a kid's show and they could slam into them with katanas and it wasn't a big problem because they weren't gushing blood. They were just dust when he, when they got hit. That's why the they did all robots that. and stuff right, too. Right, yeah. which, which... right. So this movie doesn't do any of that. They have these stone enemies for them to bash the shit out of and they don't really give them the opportunity to do it. It's like it, you can do that because they're stone, so you can just slice away at them and you cut off an arm and it doesn't matter and it's still a kid's movie because it's just stone, so it's fine. So to my to my earlier point, is you know. is the difference that the turtles aren't 
the ones knocking i mean well they kind of are maybe the turtles in this aren't the ones fatally wounding the human foot soldiers it's the monsters it's like the other bad well, no, I'm guys not, i'm not talking like the foot soldiers were always a bit of a thing where they fought them you know what i mean but uh, in a lot of the other turtle stuff they gave them things that they could cut up and dice up that maintained a safe for kids atmosphere right and that's where they the could use their weapons was, to the fullest i was even more surprised that they had human characters being shown and getting inflicted with such obvious real harm, physical harm, because even though they're some of the bad guys. So I guess I always took it that I don't know if kids are noticing that as much as we would. Like, the Foot Clan are not on screen all that much. They're all faceless things that don't talk. The only one you see without a mask on is Karai. Fair. Yeah. So if you really, like, as far as the kids are concerned, it's just a faceless dude that they're throwing off a roof somewhere. They probably don't care or know that that's a human. And people take more damage in a Tom and Jerry episode. <laughs> and to be fair, Karai herself, doesn't she just jump off that roof? Oh, uh, yeah, she does, yeah, do a free fall type of thing, yeah. So, can we just assume Ninja that stuff. they survive the, that? <laughs> the, the being banged into stuff and whatnot, they have armor, maybe that's an excuse. I don't know, but... They put no thought into it anyways. <laughs> yeah, they did. That's what I mean, and, and, that, and that's the thing that I was getting at with the stone thing, is if you have these stone enemies and you're putting that thought into it, you let the fight be more interesting when they fight them. You let the, you know, the stone get bashed up a bit. It yeah. doesn't really happen. That It was disappointing. That can be a really cool fight. Yeah. Um, Ian, I'll start with you. Characters and actors, what did you think of that stuff? Any attempt at any sort of character development in the film never has a payoff. <laughs> the only character that goes through a real story, Ethan Winters, takes place over 3,000 years we never see. <laughs> um, no character was relatable or fun to be around. They all kind of sucked and never paid off any of the real plot points other than, I guess if you punch your brother enough, he's got to accept you as the leader. I guess that's, you know, warlord rules. I guess that's what we figured out. Uh, you know, like, that kid in the beginning of the story maybe had the most character development outside of Winners. Because he goes from not having a necklace to having a necklace. <laughs> it was baseless and pointless. The voice actors did fine. I'm a big fan of John DiMaggio, so it was nice to see him pop up. I don't know why Kevin Smith's fourth build in this and has three lines. <laughs> um, I really think they overspent for Chris Evans, considering how much they didn't need voice actors because this movie sucked. Um, <laughs> honestly, it could have saved a lot of money by just not having anyone voice these characters and just doing subtitles, and <laughs> the plot would have gotten over just as well, if not better. You know, at the time, I bet Sarah Michelle Gellar actually cost more than Chris Evans in 2007. Absolutely. And she's not top billed. And that's, I think, the craziest part is, like, April becomes a ninja all off-screen. The Cowabunga Carl off-screen. <laughs> like, all of this character development happens and we don't see it. And then when they actually pitch his character development, like, oh, like, getting over my real job to be getting back into a ninja, or, like I brought up before, Casey having those issues, struggling, like, this relationship with April, does anything happen? No. It's just a big fucking mess, and... 
It, it pains me to see such a storied franchise treated like this. I really am curious if this is rated higher or lower than the other Turtles movies that you've rated. And you have no fucking clue. <laughs> I feel you like it could go either way. Because <laughs> I know how much you haven't liked the other ones either. <laughs> well, we're going to ask it at the end, but I'm assuming we're, we're, we're starting at a range of like 0.5 to 1.5. It sounds the that other way, three, doesn't it? So there's not a whole lot of wiggle room to fit another one in anyway. <laughs> um, all right, Mike, characters and actors, what do you think? So Winters, uh, Ian brought up a lot. I'd like to point out that, you know, the dad from The Incredibles is doing amazingly well whatever investments he made to get him to this spot as Winters is a, it's fan-fucking-tastic. I'm glad he made those investments. Um, Did He became a multi-billionaire. Do you think... That... Oh, they're connected. That's the dad from The Incredibles. I just want like, it's... Yeah, like, yeah, it's it... same universe. It's it's that... You, you can't see that? You don't see it? In, in what, like, the, the animation the exact style same, or the drawing? It's or... the exact same animation model. Like his okay, face, I, say, I like, can't feel like you were almost saying the voice actors the same. Yeah, yeah. And now no. I'm not sure if that's what you were saying, or you're just mean they have the same body type, it's, which it's, is the upside-down Dorito type. body. Yeah, it's, it, it's the same body type and face. Gotcha. Like, it's... It's the exact copy of Mr. Incredible from three years before that. And it's like, I remember seeing this originally and I was like, what is the dad from Incredibles doing here? Like, it's it's too damn close to it to not be just something they were looking at that and making adjustments while they were animating it or something. Like, it's either that or, I don't know, maybe Patrick Warburton modeled for both i don't know but um that that was one of the big i guess problems that i had with it was the you know for the characters the animation styles are all over the place um you know we have these ridiculous looking human beings these things may be stone but they're based on human beings in the shapes of them and it's one of those things where, like, for Into the Spider-Verse, it worked for me. With Kingpin being so weird and being the only outlier in that movie is in terms of, like, not being a normal human shape like everybody else. This movie has at least four characters that do not fit a normal human shape and then everybody else fits a standard shape. And it's very confusing and troubling for me. But I guess, you know, the animation style was never really meant to be realistic, though. I understand that. I I think what he's saying is that in some regards, there's inconsistencies that exist, but for really no reason. I don't... Outside of, like, if we're talking just the humans, all of, like... All of the women in Casey are like size zero, like nothings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And then all the foot soldiers are the same small do- upside down Dorito. And then Winners is the big upside down Dorito. And then the stone statues are stone statues that I don't really care what they look like because I, who gives a shit? But, but they're based on actual human shapes and forms. Uh, statues. No, no, no. When they turn back into humans, they like when they're at the like, very transported. end. Yeah, but they, they are, they were once real humans. Still to that film at that point. <laughs> no, but the ended. They could have rolled credits when the monster crashed through the door. Who cared? It's still Who was paying it, attention. Still, it still bothers really? me that they're meant to be human shapes, and that that was a, like the one that's like 
a fucking city block wide, but only two feet tall. It just bothers me that this person is shaped this way when, you know, I mean, that person would weigh, you know, I don't know, 1,200 pounds and still be able to walk around based on the size of the other characters. It's very confusing and off-putting. It's confusing to me how turtles walk around, but, you know, I don't see me complaining. Well, they explain that at least. Do what? How? Not at what point movie, do they explain the why itself. turtles are bipeds? Never. It's that in the full never lore. come up. It's in the full lore. Okay? It's in the full lore. In this movie itself, no, they don't. Of course. They don't even opposable thumbs. That makes no fucking sense. Mutant. Not teenagers. So right, moving, on, moving on, moving on. Let's go. <laughs> um, you know, in terms of other characters, you know, the whole April thing we talked about already, that was a bit bothersome. Um, Casey being, you know, kind of clumsy outside of his fighting was kind of weird. Um, you'd think somebody would be have a, have a pretty good awareness of the world around him if he's a good fighter like that. Or even that just level, or even just good at sports, which you feel like that's what his fighting style is based around. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it seemed they made him a little bumbling outside of his fighting. Like, and I I didn't enjoy that. I guess maybe to Ian's point is the the movie was trying to make jokes, so they made him comedic relief. And he was tired because he was up all night fighting crime. That's why he slept through the alarm. All right, all right. No, yeah, I can buy that more. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, Raphael's arc as the Watcher was really fucking cool. Um, I like you know the armor, the whole thing he's doing. They should have just made that the movie. Um, just had it be a Raphael movie where he's doing that and turn into like Raphael as Batman. Why not? Do you think it was weird that the really smart turtle couldn't figure out that the tired one is the guy out all night beating people up? Yeah, and Casey figures it out instantly. Casey already knows, but Leonardo's like, hmm, oh my god, what? That was a leap for me, too. I had to try to figure out, like, why... I tried to explain it in my head, like, why Leo couldn't figure it out, but you're right, Casey figured it out right away. Because he's street well, smart. I think Leo probably wasn't around long enough, but Donatello definitely should have figured it out. Yeah. Well, I, I like, I mean... There, the way Casey puts it, too, he's like, you look like a giant metal turtle. Like, yeah. that being the reason, I feel like it doesn't give Leonardo an excuse. If yeah, that's that the reason that thought. Casey's gonna give, like, you look like a big turtle. Well, I, I, I agree with Andy. Would have loved to have seen more Mikey and Donnie get their time. I feel like they're, that com- comedic relief they forced in with Casey... I feel like you can get that from Mikey and Donnie because that's kind of what they are. You know, they're a foil to each other if you give them enough time on screen together. You know, the slack-off party kid and the nerd work well together if you give them some time to do it. They didn't get enough time. But I'll I'll pass on my time here and uh, move it along. Okay. Uh, Andy, characters and actors. So he he brought up a good point. Uh, he's a slacker like party guy, but at no point in any of the other lore do I ever find that he's a dipshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but this one he is. They even draw his eyes differently than the other turtles to make him look really stupid. <laughs> yeah, because everybody else has like the the squinty looking eyes. Like his are real big. Yeah, and almost almost like 
zany. For, they they kind of yeah, do their they, own they make thing. Him look like zany. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't really dig that at all. I, I I thought Mikey has some really good qualities, and, and and they really didn't have him show any of them. He looks like the head for the Calabunga Carl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looked it looked awful in my opinion. Uh, the rest of the character models looked all right. Uh, I still don't think they gave Donatello anything to do whatsoever, except for answer IT calls, which is stupid. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did like the arc with Raphael and Leonardo. I feel like finally it came to a head and that, that needed to happen at some point or another in any of the movies. And yeah. I, I like how that they, they did that. And I, I, uh, I enjoyed, um, that aspect, but, uh, to Mike's point earlier, I feel like this movie could have done without any of the antagonists. They could have had the antagonist be the night watchman and you wouldn't have to deal with any of the winter stuff and you could have still had the same amount of time in the movie if you did it right. That's a good point. I feel the, like uh, it, it works for sort of, you know, the, the Batman v Superman type of uh, aesthetic or, you know, bullet point storyline type thing. Or if like, there's a, we fight each other in the middle, we have our disagreements, and then we team up on something at the end. Like, that's the only reason that the antagonists are here. But you could just make that the Foot Clan and not have to spend any time on setting up the villains. Also true, yes. And and they have like the you know the oh your mom's name Martha too moment when <laughs> Mikey tries to crack the joke about like tries to throw the your mother joke at Raph. That's still they made don't me laugh. because he doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, no, like it was it was actually good, but it was still just like oh it it didn't occur to me until we brought up Batman well, versus Superman, well, but it's you know. What was the name of the the company that made the mutagenic goo? TCRI. Uh, TCRI. Yeah. Oh, your mother's name TCRI too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt like uh, Casey Jones and April got more screen time than Mikey and Donnie, which I thought it, it yes didn't really care for that too much. I would have liked to seen more of Karai because she was actually a really cool character. I felt like yeah. they could have fleshed her out a little bit more. And if they had gone away with uh, Winters and all of them, I feel like they could have fleshed that out a little bit, which would have been nice. Yeah. Um, th there weren't really a ton of other characters. Winters was fine, I guess. But like Ian said, I felt like his arc really happened outside of the movie. Like he decided what he was going to do. And then he ended up being sort of the good guy. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I have for characters, really. Well, as far as like actors, what do you think the actors did? How do you, do you think you were good with voice act, voice cast and everybody? Yeah, I, I thought everyone did okay. I, I guess I expected a little bit more from Chris Evans. He just seemed kind of flat, um, and it, it took me a little while to get used to uh, Mako as Splinter. It just it it just didn't fit for me for a lot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, until like r right around the end. So. Okay. Uh, Josh, I guess you're left. What do you think? Um, the Donnie as the IT support comment that Andy made, I actually laughed at that when I saw it, but in retrospect, because like, that's really the only insightful moment as to like Donnie's life or character at this point that you get. Yeah. Um, I guess it was a little bit of a, a letdown, but I thought it was kind of funny that like if they stopped predominantly doing what they were doing, what would each of them do? Like, well, in that modern world, that's kind of probably what he would fall into, right? He could do that. 
So I, 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 I chuckled, but unfortunately that was all that we really got for him. Um, I had written down that at the beginning, and it didn't... It, I, I feel like it got better, but the first maybe 10 minutes that uh, Raphael was in the story, he sounded like... And we've kind of said this about, I think, the previous Turtles movies at some point. He sounded so New York. Oh, yeah. To me initially, like to the point where I almost wrote down, like they were going like a Mafia Sopranos route <laughs> with him. And like he just like very, very different, just like a, a very different way of talking and sounded very different than the, the, you know, the other brothers. But um, again, I said uh, Casey and April have to look older. Um, it, it just, it's too strange for me. Um, Casey should also not look like a clean cut pretty boy. Um, I, I just I didn't care for this incarnation, this design of him at all. Um, like I'm sure he was putting on his skinny jeans, <laughs> uh, going out to fight crime. I I, just, I didn't like it at all. Um, I made the same comment about Splinter's voice. Um, and I don't know if it was, if if maybe the actor had been given different direction or, maybe I don't. I don't know if it's the, the, the actor or the voice, but I think it's the character of Splinter, the role that Splinter plays in this. If they had written the character differently, that actor could have given a different performance. And it might have fit better. But with what they wrote and what they wanted, and then what he performed, um, I, I just I didn't like the, the way it fit with the mix of everybody else either. Um, I had to figure this out afterward because the one guy who I think ends up being like the leader of the stone generals who kind of, you know, leads their mutiny against winters. I'm like, who is that? I know that voice. Like as strongly as I needed to understand that winters was Patrick Stewart. I'm like, who the hell is this general guy? So I look it up and it's one of the actors you mentioned, um, who also, and I figured it out. Oh, he was the voice of Goro. In Mortal Kombat, the, huh. the the first live action Mortal Kombat movie. But more than that, I actually know him as Captain Gontu from Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> That's like a weird pull. The, the ginormous shark general monster guy, whatever. Yeah. Um other than that, um yeah, I guess everyone did okay. Um I after looking at the cast when I finished the movie, and I'm like, oh, Chris Evans was Casey Jones. I didn't care to like rewind to any of the scenes to re-listen to it to see if it came off any differently. Like if if the impression of it wasn't good enough the first time, just knowing it was a particular person isn't gonna make it better for me. Yeah. Um I guess everyone did well enough with the material they were given. Um I, I just had issue with the approach to what some of the characters were supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, but but I agree with uh. And I, why can I not correctly understand how to pronounce her name? I I always just want to call her Kara, but I know it's not right. It's Karai. Karai. Um, I agree with the comment that whatever she was involved in and whatever backstory led to her being in the position she's in now after the fall of Shredder, especially like I'd like to know more about that. That was pretty cool. Would have made a better movie. Um. Yeah. Same. But yeah, like those kinds of things. But that's my piece. Um, 
I, I don't know. I still feel like I'm pretty high on this movie. And maybe it's just like, I'm starting to think maybe it is just a nostalgic look back at this movie that I liked it when it came out. I hadn't watched it for a while. So rewatching it now again is like, you know what? I do remember all this stuff and I still really kind of like the stuff that they did. And I don't know. I get, it sounds like it's probably making my, my viewing experience a little bit better. And I still think I like this movie a lot, but I don't know. I, I think the cast is pretty good. Um, the standouts for me are James Arnold, Arnold Taylor as Leo and Nolan North as Raph. I think they steal the show for me. Um, but again, it's all culminates in the rooftop sequence with them. Like, I, I think the movie builds to that. That's what I want to see. That, yeah, that's what they got to. And I think those two nail that scene. It's just the, the differences between those two characters, what they think this brotherhood is and how to, how best to find their place in it. Like I, I, I think Andy might have said it earlier. It's something that I think is alluded to in other movies, but we never actually see that sort of like come to a head and see them actually hash it out and fight each other for it. So that was cool to see. Um, yeah, I agree that, uh, again, Donnie and Mikey didn't have anything to do. Uh, I would have liked to see more backstory for, you know, the stuff we're sort of inferring that whatever the time gap is between movies that sort of happened off screen is the stuff we'd like to see April's training, uh, the stuff that went on to, uh, with the foot clan to get Karai there. Uh, you know, I, again, I guess winter stuff I don't really care about, but so his, their, their characters and all that kind of stuff kind of slips my mind and like Patrick Stewart did fine, but I don't really, that, th- those characters in that part of the story still doesn't stick out to me, so I don't really think about that as much. Like, I'm still focused on the turtles in that side of the story, and that side of the story I really like. I think they did, aside from getting some characters short screen time and not a lot of stuff to do, uh, the stuff they did give, specifically Leo and Raph, I really like, and I like that stuff. Casey and April, I kind of like that they are officially, like, in a relationship. Like, I like that sort of character growth. Um, and Off I, screen I, again, though. What's that? That happened off screen. Right. Again, it's something that, you know, could have been nice to see on screen and build that that way. But, uh, and I do like that they, I guess I'm again in a minority, but I do like that April sort of made her way to be a ninja. Off screen. Again, off screen. <laughs> yes, yes, I get it. Yes. Uh, but I like where they're going. Like they, I think they had the right ideas for what these characters should go, sh- where they should be and where they want to go. They just kind of skipped the middle part of it and just said, here's where they are and ran with it. The That's middle why it's part, called the, the hero's ending. Yeah, the, <laughs> the meat part of it is the stuff that I like, you know? I feel like that adds depth of character, which they're missing. In yeah, and I don't know it if it's just like... the viewer to the character. Hey, we just need to make this a tight 90 minutes for a kid's movie. They just couldn't go two hours. Or if they really didn't know what to do, and they just cut all what they thought I was fat out. and Don't think they knew what to do, because cut out the antagonist, because it did added nothing. <laughs> Like, yeah, you don't you, even care about that part and you like the movie. I know, right. So, if, yeah, <laughs> if you sub that part out and give us more of the meat of the movie and of stuff we want to see, I think it, it would be that much better of a movie for it. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll hit the everything else category. Uh, the catch-all for whatever else we, we would like to talk about here. Uh, so I'll give it to Andy. You want to go first for anything else you want to touch on? Uh, yeah, I would like to talk about... Um... Splinter's Hall of Accomplishments scene. I was going to bring that up if no one else did. Yeah. Um, does Does anybody recognize any of the stuff that's in that? I made I a know, list. I, I know. <laughs> oh, you made a list. Okay. Yeah. Well, of stuff that around, I recognized. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't really recognize a lot of it other than like the Shredder helmet. 
Yeah, so the Shredder helmet's there. The uh, If you look in the top right, it's kind of blocked by some stuff, but the TCRI container from Turtles 2 is there. Okay. Uh, the Scepter from Turtles 3 that they used to time travel is at the bottom shelf. Okay. Uh, and I think on the top right and possibly on the right side, it looks like the helmet and mask disguise that the Turtles wore when they went back in time, like the Feudal okay. Japan outfits. Okay, I was assuming like they're the, top, hanging there. the top right one was sort of like that weird face mask that they used right. to sort of hide the fact that they were turtles. Yes. Um, those were the only things I recognized. Oh, there was one that... I don't know if... I couldn't tell if that's what it was, but I think the bottom shelf, somewhere around the scepter, there, from what I could guess it was, it looked like the bottom of a mouser droid. Like if it's laying on its side and its feet are oh. sticking out, it looked like that. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that one. I don't I know some... if I'm right. That's a guess. I was trying to look for a picture just so I could sort of dissect it or see if someone else labeled stuff that's in like his dojo area, but I yeah. I couldn't find that yet. Um, the only thing that 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 sparked my interest was they had almost like a medieval looking like sort of shield. Oh yeah, and I didn't know what that was from. Yeah, because I didn't think like aside from feudal Japan, they didn't really do anything like medieval-esque, right? Because feudal Japan really didn't have anything as far as, like, shields. The samurais just sort of wore armor and used their swords as their shields. Right. Use them, you know? There was all those white guys there. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. They did have, like, you know, the European soldiers in that. Oh, yeah, the guy that splashed but didn't splash. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, him. (laughs) (laughs) Budge. Um, but I think Andy, I... to your point, that like the the Hall of Heroes stuff, like Splinter's shelf with all the memorabilia and stuff, I think solidifies that this movie is a sequel to yeah. the first three live yeah. action Turtles movies. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, and and I, I was curious if anyone else had noticed anything from like just vague uh, TMNT lore, if any of that like had anything to do with anything anybody knew. Well, if I'm right about the Mouser Droid, that's not from the live action movies. That's right, from the right. cartoon. That's, that's from what, like the Technodrome makes the Master Droids, or I, I mean, they were in the cartoon, right? I remember them from the cartoon. Or was it Baxter Stockman that made? I think them? it was Baxter Stockman. I thought it was Baxter. Stockman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Baxter made them. I, I, if I remember correctly, but Baxter also worked with Krang on a lot of stuff. So yeah. they showed up in defense of the Technodrome. Yeah, I'll have to try to, at some point, I don't know if I'll find it while we're recording, but after the show, I'll try to at least get a screenshot or something of that part of the movie. Uh, I, we, can, I, we can check it out. I would like to say um, that I, I really enjoy the animation of the okay. backgrounds yeah. to this to this, to this this movie. There, there were a couple of scenes where, as they were paused on a couple of scenes, I'm like, is that real? It just, it, there were scenes that looked, made it look very, very just real and then you would see like a turtle or something moving around and you're like okay no that's not real but <laughs> they're, they're like when they showed like the cars or like the alleys or like the construction site i'm like that looks really fucking good you know and like the the animation for the characters and everything looked good as, as well but I, I think they did a really good job of of like the background effects and like the rain looking like you could see the rain like bouncing off of like the turtles while they were fighting i thought that was really fucking cool um I think there were parts in the beginning of the movie when I was like, you know what? I don't know if the animation holds up as well as I thought it did. Like, it looked a little bit fuzzy to me. It wasn't as crisp and clear as I thought it should be for being, like, CG. And maybe that was an intended effect um, until they got to the rooftop sequence. 
I think yeah. you could tell they put every dime they had in time into that sequence because uh-huh. everything about that, the rain effects, the fight, the uh, the lighting effects off the neon signs on the turtles, like everything works at that part of the movie. So um, th- I, th- I thought there were, you said it was a tight 90 minutes, but I thought there were some scenes that were, were fluff and really ought not to have existed in this movie. Uh, like the, the Black Betty scene with, with Raph, the Night Watchman, and the, the, the 13th monster, we'll call it, or the 12th yeah. monster, whatever the fuck it is, didn't make any sense. Like the Kevin Smith scene didn't make any sense to me. Like, why have it? He didn't do anything with the monster. He let the monster go. The monster went wherever the fuck it went. <laughs> He's like, oh, I took care of him. You threw him out of the thing. You know, who knows where the fuck he is now? Like, how does that take care of anything? Yes. Um, uh, what was one of the other? I, I didn't exactly understand why, why Splinter sent Leo out to make him a better leader. Cause it didn't seem to work. <laughs> Uh, I felt like he didn't grow like Splinter was expecting him to grow. Oh, see, it was the next level play. He wanted them to fight, and this was the quickest way to have it happen. Okay, I could was well, put him into exile well, I, I guess for I could, a year. I, could, I guess I could see that. Yeah, I was trying to think about this IQ play. So he sends fact. Leo away, and then he says, "Look at your brother. He just fucking left you. you what an ass clown." <laughs> <laughs> And like and then Raphael like builds up his aggression by beating up people on his lonesome. Yeah. And then you bring him back, Leo back, and then you give him like a medal and make a big fucking deal about it. And he could have stopped. He knew Raph yeah. was watching the whole fucking time. Yeah. Well, they're, like he's the, like rubbing it in, like, "Hey, this is the better turtle." To to <laughs> the point that I think maybe Mike made earlier about like Leo not knowing that Raph is Night Watcher. There's the whole point at the end of the movie when like the team is fractured. Leo's confiding in Splinter and Splinter tells him like, okay, you know what to do to like, or Splinter says something about like your brotherhood or your team is, is broken. You know what you have to do to fix it. And Leo goes, yeah, I know. And then he leaves and then he hunts down the night watcher. If Leo knows that Raph is the night watcher, that scene plays better. It does. Like Leo knows that Raph is being rebellious and not listening to orders. So he has to put him in his place. But then when it reveals that, Raph is the Night Watcher, and Leo's surprised. It's like, well, who the fuck were you hunting, and why? This is, you're not solving your problems with your brothers. You're trying to take out this vigilante who has nothing to do with what your brothers are doing. And the only problem I have with that scene, um, other than what you just said, was that I've never thought Leo was cocky, but he's like, I'm better than you. Oh, see, and I that, that. that caught me off guard, and I didn't care for that much. Um, Especially when he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I felt like, and the other thing that irritated me is is Raph and Leo are off literally training. Like like Raph's kicking the shit out of everybody in metal suit, and Leo's like literally like kicking the shit out of like gorilla, not G O but G U E <laughs> gorilla like militia type guys in, in Central America. Mikey's training is getting the shit kicked out of him by like. Nerf swords and and Donatello's getting the shit kicked out of him by angry people who don't know how to use their computers. Karens. Yeah. So like like I felt like to ask Mikey and Donatello to just go ahead and go fight like these immortal enemies was 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 a hard sell for me because as far as we know they haven't been training at all. Yeah. But th- that's that's all the outliers that I can remember I had from the movie. Okay. Uh, Ian. 
What would you like? No to explosion. Chime in? Zero out of ten. <laughs> um, I just the music in this the music selection sucked. Um, Black Betty is a pretty solid song, but like that made no sense. I feel like on the context of that scene to me, and I feel the like only it's good... overdone for action. That scenes. too. The only good song in this film is the end credit song played by Gym Class Heroes, and they don't use that song in the movie at any fucking point. <laughs> or you don't like Red Flag? No, apparently not. I I thought that skateboarding like scene with Mikey, they could have picked much better punk bands or whatever the fuck that was to like play there. But no, they didn't. Like, just pick a thing off the Tony Hawk soundtrack, and you have a better scene. That's <laughs> oh. all they had to do. Red Flag's the one is the song they play when he's getting the shit kicked out of him by the kids. I didn't care for that. Um, I was fine with those two turtles not being in the film that much because fuck it, who, who gives a shit? <laughs> of course, of course, you would say that. Um, it was. I don't. Know, is there even anything else? Like you know, like no, because this movie had nothing. It developed nothing, and it went nowhere. It just went in fucking circles, and of all the cool stuff we never saw. It's just like hey, it probably happened, but we don't fucking know that, and it just. <laughs> beggars the question why why make this film and I, I wish i knew the answer to that i desperately want to be on the other side of a two-way mirror when you are a part of a pre-movie release market research group <laughs> <laughs> and i hope I'm it's for the next turtles movie i'm currently under nda are you about it <laughs> All right, so that's all you had. You got nothing else. Um, the movie sucked. Okay. All right, moving on to Mike. Give us something good here. I actually, um, the the only thing I have for like other stuff is that I actually like the soundtrack. Um, I agree. I, agree. I feel like the you know the standard music selections for the soundtrack were okay. I didn't feel like anything was great or terrible. Um, but the orchestral scores that they put together for moments felt really good to me. It's to me, it's the one highlight of the film was how well the music fit the different scenes, um, in terms of the score. Um, again, the music choices, I tend to go 50, 50 on whether they fit and work good. Like I agree with what Ian said about the punk bands and they could have used so much better punk music for the skateboarding sections and, the choices they made. Um, but Black Betty and Red Flag, I feel like, are really good uh, spots. I, I think they're good, fun songs to have in there. So I'm split on that. But, yeah. I, I Score, I thought, was fantastic for an animated movie. For, the, you know, an animated children's movie, I feel like it was really, really good. The theme for The Night Watcher is one that I still play to this day. Like, I love that theme song. I'd have to listen to it again to recognize it. Yeah, anytime personally. like Raph's in the costume, driving around on the bike, fighting people, like that's what that's the music you hear in the background. Okay. And I I dig it. Uh, you got anything else, or was that it? That, that yeah, that's the only other that I had. Okay, Josh, what do you got? Um, the movie opens with the title card saying, "Uh, from Warner Brothers and the Weinstein Company present," and that does not age well. <laughs> um, I actually liked the 
uh, music chosen during Mikey's introductory skateboard scene, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. Is that Jet? And I looked it up, and yes, it is Jet. Um, I guess I... The, the original score, I agree. It was probably the strongest individual achievement, I think, for this. Um, and I, actually, I, I will agree with Andy as well that the... While I didn't like some character design choices i think animation overall was well done and all of the environments and the detail in the backgrounds uh were beautiful i thought i i, I will give definite kudos to to the animators in those regards um uh i i i really didn't mean to have to shit on casey jones again but <laughs> um in no way in my mind would any incarnation of that character would his music choice of preference or any theme song you would pick for him be shit-tastic early millennium yellow card style pop punk yeah i, I feel I, like casey jones is pantera and dio like, I, it, it's not limp biscuit it's at least <laughs> like, it's it's just not zoomer that it's not like the early two early to mid 2000s pop punk bands that got on warp tour and like it, it, it no I, I not i hate to say it like that's not my casey jones i did not like <laughs> that version of it um the rest of the other music i guess i honestly didn't even really notice i will have to go back i did not realize um uh that black betty was a lead belly song because who the frick knows lead belly um well, i think the black betty they play in the movie is a cover it, yeah. is. it says yeah. it's performed by Big City Rock, but Lead Belly is uh, a, a a very foundational um, blue, blues and folk guitarist, singer-songwriter from like the 1920s. And I did not know that was the uh, origin of that song until I was just looking at the soundtrack credits. Oh, okay. Um, it, I, I, I don't mean to talk down to anybody, so I apologize if it seems like I'm saying something, you know, preaching to the choir necessarily, but, um, the final song performed by Nirvana on their unplugged session is a song called Where Did You Sleep Last Night? And it was a song by Lead Belly, whom Kurt Cobain was a very big fan of. And that is one of my favoritely performed songs ever in the world um if you have never heard it or, or or haven't seen it find it on youtube it's incredible um but learning a lot of the rock history that i did in high school and some college courses that i took um led me to understand like what lead belly actually contributed to the foundations of rock and roll like decades before it happened um so i will have to give a re-listen to this cover song and then hopefully find the original. But um, other than all that, I digress. Um, most of the music didn't really stick out to me. The score did, um, but not really the other like original song. Well, not even original songs, but whatever the soundtrack the drops. songs. Yeah, yeah, the needle drops. Um, I could have taken them or leaving them. You mean you didn't recognize P.O.D. in the final fight in the courtyard? Um, I think with some of the stuff that Ian said that like he had zoned out so much that he didn't even realize <laughs> that the bad guy, whatever bad guy redeemed good guy, whatever had dusted away 
um, I, I, I sort of did the same thing and, and probably just zoned out a bit. Um, so no, I did not pick up on that. Um, I will say that I saw in the sound in the soundtrack listing a sock a song called "Aw Dip." <laughs> nice. Is 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 by Cobra Starship? Nice. And the reason oh, yeah, I Cobra that stuck out yeah. to me was because they did Wait, a song from uh, "Snakes on a Plane." Like the year that before. That makes sense that they would do Snakes on a Plane song. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> to be fair, the, like the Red Flag song, I don't even know who did it, but the only reason it sticks out to me is because it was on the NHL 2006-2005 soundtrack. Uh, credits so, like, say it is written and performed by Billy Talent. There you go. Whom I've never That's heard a of. fake name. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Uh, but yeah, other than that, I never would have heard that song. But it's it's like ingrained in my brain because of that game. Mm. Like whatever like soundtrack it was on, I played the game so much that it's in there. Uh, credits tell me it may have been NHL 09. There you go. It was after this movie. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's in my brain because of that. Uh, Josh, you got anything else or was that it? I think that's it. Okay. Um, I don't really think I have anything else. I think we kind of touched on, I was going to bring up the Easter egg thing and splinters thing, but Andy covered that. So that was pretty much all I had. Um, so we'll wrap up with, uh, does it hold up and we'll go through our ratings. So I feel like I know the answer to most of these questions to, from you guys, but, uh, Ian, does this movie hold up? Or do you think it ever held up? I, Yes, then no. I think this movie, nothing has impacted it. The passage of time. I think it has always sucked. I think the writing was always bad. I think the story was always the one of the worst possible choices they could ever do. And I, I like to think it's that South Park episode where Steven Spielberg fucks all of his creations. <laughs> and that's what this movie is to the Turtles. It's them getting fucked in the ass by Warner Brothers, just lubing it up. And that frog that fucking does the show tunes, just fucking it. Well, the Weinstein Company was involved, so that's kind of on brand for that. <laughs> And there was a frog that was a turtle's voting at one time. A mutant frog. He wore like a Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. I had the action figure. Yep, so did I. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you think it held up? And uh, does it hold up now? For me, this is a no. It does not hold up. Um, I remember having fairly positive memories of this film. Uh, and that has changed on a rewatch. Okay. Uh, for me, so that I would have to say no. Do, did it ever hold up? I don't. How does what? What do you mean by that? I don't know. That's just what I've been asking. Most of the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't because if you don't, no, nobody questions it before relevant now. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So more or less, yeah, when I mean, it came like, out, I, did it hold up? It doesn't hold up now. I feel like when I originally watched it, I had a positive take on it, and I remember liking it. And I feel like I'm in the opposite direction this time on a rewatch. So for me, no. Okay. It's not a lot. Josh? Uh, So again, this is a first time viewing for me, so I don't know what I can really say about its initial release. Um, I mean, we were all, most of us, were in our 20s when this was released. So we might have been uh, somewhat in the target market for this uh you know young, younger to mid 20s group who had been kids when the cartoon was on and huge and all that and then the other group being kids at the time itself so 
I, I think for our age group, it it's sounding like for those of you who saw it at the time, you enjoyed it then. So maybe the answer is it did hold up at the time it was released. And for me, while it has like, I mean, we've criticized it a lot in the last hour, but I think you could maybe answer yes, that it holds up for the age group it was intended for but not as those people age does that make sense if a 10 year old if any 10 year old sees it at any given time those 10 year olds will enjoy it but as that 10 year old becomes 15 20 25 for that person it won't so did it ever hold up yes does it hold up now no is where i'm sort of it, 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 it kind of no but sort of like on that rolling basis like okay. it, it, it will still play for the audience. It was for the age group it was intended for. Okay. I gotcha, I gotcha. But not as that same age group continues to get older. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Andy, what do you think? I remember having uh, a pretty good. I, I remember having good thoughts about this movie when I, I came out of it, seeing it in the theater. I remember really enjoying it, and um, I felt like it did hold up then. Yeah. But I don't feel like it holds up now. Okay. So, um, I, I can't answer why because it was what two thousand and seven. Yeah. So I was I was twenty seven at the time when I saw it. So. Still almost thirty, <laughs> and I liked it then. So I I, I, I don't know. I just. Your movie I'm, tastes have grown. Yeah, maybe my movie tastes have grown and, and, you know, we've been doing this Rewind Theater for a while and you sort of, like, pick at things that, like, once you start picking at them, you're like, oh, this is revealing. This isn't real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I will fully admit that I'm looking at this through nostalgic glasses. Like, and I, I can't break it for me right now. Like, I... I get all the nitpicks that everybody's been saying, and I fully agree with a lot of them. They're not nitpicks. They're uh, structural flaws with the film. <laughs> Call them what you will. Call them what you will. Semantics. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I'm with the people, for, for the guys that saw it in the theater, I also saw it in the theater when it came out. I remember liking it then. I still like it now. I don't know if it holds up as well as it should, but I'm going to say yes, I think it does. For me personally, it holds up. I think it's still a movie that I enjoy. It's still one I will watch. I will watch this over other Turtles movies. This is still higher on the list of Turtles movies for me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say yes and yes for me. Um, all right, so we'll go around the horn for ratings. Uh, out of 10... Oh, wait, do we want to revisit? Tur do you have the spreadsheet handy, Ian? I always have it handy. Just checking, just checking. And um, be before we get to that point, I'm looking at past episodes, trying to see where things landed. It was... Just about a year ago, it was November 3rd, last year, that we released the rewind for the first Turtles movie. So <laughs> we got through four movies in the four. course of a year. <laughs> I mean, given the odds of, of how, you know, that wheel needs to behave for it to get landed on, that's not too bad. I'm going to laugh so hard if we get another Turtles movie after this. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Ian will just walk out. See, now the good thing then is, is, is you're knocking off Turtles movies. Once they're mm -hmm. gone, they're gone forever. You know, once they're off that wheel. So no, they still exist. 
No, but I'm saying but you don't your have brain. to ever watch them again. No, for I any still reason. think about them. <laughs> so we're winning. We're I mean, slowly like winning you over. <laughs> you sleep at night and dream about Ninja Turtles. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, all right. So do we want to? How are we revisiting Raiders? Are we just revisiting the Turtles movies? Is that what we're looking for? Okay. Uh, Ian, I guess give us the rundown for the last three Turtles movies we did for what everybody's okay. ratings were. I'm going to go in order of the movies. Andy okay. gave Turtles one and eight. Brian, eight and a half. Ian, three and a half. Josh, eight. Mike, eight and three quarters. <laughs> TMNT2, Secret of the Ooze. Andy, nine. Brian, seven and a half. Ian, four. Josh, five and a half. Mike, not listed. TMNT3, Andy, three. Brian, two and a half. Ian, 4.5. Josh, three. Mike, not listed. All right. That's good. Right. I threw it up there so you guys could see what I would have <laughs> given them if I was here. It was a six and a two. But... Ah. Uh, all right. So around the horn for TMNT, uh, Andy, kick us off. Out of 10, what do you give this one? I'm going to give this, uh, I feel like it was a very middle of the road uh, rewatch for me. So I'm going to give it exactly middle of the road. Five. Okay. Uh, Josh, out of 10, what do you think? I think I'm doing the same. If I caught it, I think I gave Secret of the Use a five or five and a half. So uh, this is better than Turtles 3. I I'm hoping the consensus among us at least falls to there. Not looking for groupthink. <laughs> just I'd be shocked if anyone went the other way. Uh, Ian gave Turtles 3 a 4.5. I do not see him rating this higher <laughs> than that. Which was better than, I think, Secret of the Use on his <laughs> That's my highest rated Turtles 3. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's just um, for that guy falling in the water. <laughs> um so yeah, I think I'm I'm with Andy. I'm just gonna hit it at a five as well. So if a guy falls into the water without making a splash, did he ever actually fall into the water? <laughs> that movie will never know. Uh Mike out of ten, what do you think? Uh so you know, as we had said, I wasn't here for the last two. In terms of turtle movies that we have currently, there is six. This one rates as the third worst, I guess, or you know, the top of the bottom three of those movies for me. Um, and that th that brings it right in around at a four. Ooh, okay. Um, and yeah, so I'll be interested to see if that scoring holds up to true in my thought of where these movies rank when we get to the next one, which is also in my bottom three. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, Ian, out of 10, what do you think? I think there's a reason Kevin Monroe never worked again after 2016. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin was... Monroe, if you're listening to this, we're sorry. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> you suck, and I'm happy one you of us don't work not. anymore. Uh, have, have fun with the unemployment line, jerk ass. <laughs> Uh, this movie sucked ass. Uh, there's no real redeeming qualities. There's no payoffs. I, I questioned the sanity of Warner Brothers for giving this film any money to be made. Honestly, I'm still not sure why Splinter wasn't a rat anymore. I'm still <laughs> confused about that. It's just, it's a very weak film, and that's why I'm giving it a two. Okay. So what'd you give three? Uh, four and a half. So this is below three for you. They, three was all my of them rated. are below three. Oh, three is your highest rated. 
Wow. That was the best Turtles movie by far. <laughs> then I'm really interested to see what you think of the next one. That's going to be fun. Um, one thing I forgot to do before we get to our ratings was to revisit the Rotten Tomato and Metacritic rating. So Just Rotten Tomatoes... Clear, all the critics are wrong, like I always say on here. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you guys are pretty in line with these ratings. Critic rating for Rotten Tomatoes was 34%. Audience was 60 Metacritic had a Metascore of 41, user of 6.9. So they're still middle of the road. A lot of the critical ones are leaning towards the lower end of stuff. So I think you guys are, are more in line with that stuff. I'm going to be the outlier. I'm giving this an 8. I, I still look at this through nostalgic glasses. Like I've said, I still think it's great to me. Um, I I think revisiting the ratings, I give Turtles 1 8.5, Turtles 2 7.5. I do think this is better for me than Turtles 2. I think I can find a little bit more to enjoy out of this. I think, and again, I pin a lot of it just on the, the fight between Raph and Leo. Like, I could watch that over and over again, and the culmination for that moment, I think, hits me every time. I love it. So, that's where I'm at. Uh, Alright, so that concludes our discussion for TMNT. Uh, so now we will go to the Wheel of Fate. To the Wheel of Fate! Movie. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, the Wheel features three franchises and three standalone movies. So, the idea behind this has always been to try to give us some sort of variety. Uh... You know, it's always a work in progress. I don't know if we're ever going to change it or, or tweak percentages and stuff like that. We've just kind of been rolling with it right now. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're I don't even think we've gotten 20 episodes in yet. I think we're nearing 20 for Rewind. I think this might be 19 if my count is correct. Um, So we'll, we'll be right around 20-ish. I don't know whether we'll revamp after 20. We'll see where we land. But... You know, feel free. If you guys get any feedback or want to hear one thing or the other or would like to us to give us suggestions if you wanted to change how we're picking movies if we should stick to a franchise a little bit longer or if you like the variety in between like for turtles we we do what one turtles movie every three months or some shit so <laughs> you know there's a lot of gaps in between there uh so on the wheel right now we have three franchises currently for ghost rider turtles is still there because we still have two more to go and ghost in the shell is still on the wheel so uh, for franchises do we want to quickly remind listeners what if if one of those is selected what the next one would be uh if they hit the wheel i have which movie is up next right uh but we did watch the first ghost rider we did watch the first ghost in the shell movie uh we've gone through now four turtles movies so we have two left of those got it uh standalone movies that are currently on the wheel we have speed racer supergirl and steel come on steel <laughs> so this is the point Let's watch where... shaq fu the movie I get the wheel for you guys. Just once, I would like to win a vacation for this fucking wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the vacation's in the really, really fine little device. It has, it has to land on the line in between. Yeah. Right. Okay. You guys can see the wheel. Yes? It is visibly displayed. What wheel? Okay. It's kind of small. It, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. not getting any bigger. You got to deal with what you got. That's that's how I mean, we roll. I can't tell what it's going to land on. Like, I'm going to have to just, like wait for the results color. to populate. Yeah. Yeah, I assume turtles are one of the green. Turtles is the lighter green. Yes, it's right. turtle green. Again, we'll try this again. <laughs> any any guesses? Spinning the wheel. I know. My, even at the last one for Ghost in the Shell, I think Mike said he wants real steel. Just oh, I want no, or, real or steel. Steel. Real steel. steel would be an awesome steel, steel magnolia. Just, just to get it off and get something I want else. Speed in there. racer or turtles? Those are my two. Steel I is the only one I don't want. Come on, steel, steel. Oh dear lord! You 
jackass. <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> no, listen, I did not vote to include Steel on the list of movies in the first place. You didn't speak yes, up. You, did. you didn't tell tell. You did not give the committee. Uh, you did not tell us to exempt. Yeah, we it. all had ample opportunity to. <laughs> that was a really big list. I was more so looking for things that weren't on it that I wanted on it. It was too pronged. Things that were on it that I didn't want on it. Well, this is Wait, what happened. Did you guys actually look at the list? I definitely did. <laughs> I saw how long it was and said, "Fuck this." <laughs> I mean, I figured some of the stuff that I didn't want to see, we'd never in a million years get to, and yet we've hit a couple of them already, I feel like. And here we are watching Steel. Yeah. So, we have to record like an hour, hour and a half show about Steel. <laughs> I mean, do but we? I mean, we might get through all that pretty quickly. <laughs> well, it should be easy to find. It's on There's HBO more. Max, so. Is it really? Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Just want to bang it out tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, this will be with. sometime in 2022, probably, most likely. Well, we need to get to 250, so we could, you know. If we need a filler and we absolutely want to put ourselves through the ringer, <laughs> then this will be that movie. All right. We'll see if we can replace it next time. <laughs> so we are watching the next one up for Rewind Theater. Whenever we get to it, chances are it'll probably be a while because I know we got a lot of stuff coming up this over the next month or two. Uh, so yeah, Steel from 1997, starring NBA superstar Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> that is on HBO Max. That will be the one you can check out if you would like to watch. Looking for the record lows. What did I give the kitchen? Um, a quarter of a point. <laughs> no, three quarters of a point. Captain right. America's our lowest. I. It's going to be really hard the, to Captain America. It's very well deserved. Is it for the America. HBO is it? summary? Will, will Steel get an aggregate point? The HBO. I mean, well, no, no, yeah. I mean, think of this right now. The Zero's HBO option, synopsis for this for this movie starts: former army scientists, one in a steel suit. That's implying we're supposed to buy Shaq being an army scientist. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Ian's already like this. It doesn't matter what comes it? after that sentence fragment. That's how it's starting. Ian, what what is your highest rated movie so far? Is it Spawn? Uh, no, it's Watchmen and Ghost in the Shell. Oh, that's 10. right. Okay, oh, yeah. that was yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, learn learn my life. Yeah, I don't know why I <laughs> literally Snyder just talked about and... that possibly being your favorite yeah. movie ever. So why that wouldn't be the highest yeah. rated? Okay, and yes. Constantine's also higher than Spawn, for the record. Okay. Mm. Is Venom? Venom is lower than Spawn. Better be. Oh, okay. For a while, <laughs> that Josh, was... you rated Venom higher than Spawn. <laughs> Whatever, they both should be wiped from existence. <laughs> you gave Venom a, the, the same score you gave this movie. They were like our first two movies. I can't be blamed the for not developing high. Yeah. We didn't have a spreadsheet then. I didn't know there would be a spreadsheet. Venom, Cowboys and Aliens, TMNT 2007, all the same quality, Josh Norridge. <laughs> You know, I honestly kind I'm of agree with just, the fact that they're about the same quality. I'm, pu- I'm putting that on blast. Them differently. I'm putting that on the book jacket of my autobiography. <laughs> He's just putting you on blast, man. Yeah, He's giving me the business. Oh, I love it. See, Ian, the spreadsheet is totally worth it. <laughs> just paid itself off. <laughs> oh shit! All right, uh, that's it for us. If you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five star rating and review. Give us a share on social media. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Feel free to follow or subscribe to the show. As always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and Super Friends or go to Facebook.com slash Bry Guy Super Friends. 
You can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions, any of that stuff there. Try to email us, brightguysuperfriends at gmail.com. Haven't checked it in probably four months, so, it, you know, leave me a message there. I'll get to it eventually. At BG Superfriends, we're on Twitter. Hit us up there, that I'll see. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch, at Jedi Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, whenever we decide to do another live show, which will probably be 250, uh, which at the rate we're going, we, we're trying to spitball it. We, we feel like we might be doing 250 probably early next year. Um, we're looking at maybe January, February, depending on how quickly episodes come out. Uh, but we'll keep you posted on that one. We're, we're spitballing the idea of uh, a top 10. We usually have fun with the top 10 lists. Since we've actually been able to see some movies, we might be able to do a top 10 of the last year or two, since we didn't do one for 2020. Uh, so that's that's in the works. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that if we decide to pin that and keep going with that. And uh, once we nail down a date and figure out a topic and all that stuff, we will keep you posted. And on behalf of Andy, Ian, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Cowabunga, dudes.